The following is a hoop ball presentation. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. This is your host, David Williams. I want to start off today, guys. This is uh, this one is going to be a a little different. This is a Skype call recorded. The sound quality isn't as good as what we normally have, but uh, we'll work on that. That will improve. I promise you. We had some technical difficulties. Skype did not like me to start off, and so the recording is a little bit shaky, and we come in kind of mid-conversation. But this is our first guest on the show from uh, from the Memphis Flyer. She is a beat writer, Miss Amy. And Amy, I apologize. I'm probably going to butcher your name. I believe she said it was Stegemeyer. Um, so she's on. Hope you enjoy the call. And here we go. And yes, we, uh, All Hearted Hoop City is uh, a Memphis Grizzlies fan site. Um, run all of our content, directed, produced all by women. Um, we're coming up on, actually, we're coming up on year six. Um, I am a very, very bad site owner. I have not posted anything to the site this year. Um, shout out to Carmen Patton, one of our one of our writers for holding it down because she is, has posted quite a bit this season. Um, but Sharon and I have, have put our content over on the flyer. It's, I mean, you follow the Grizzlies, so you, you can kind of, it, it's a fun journey. This season is a lot more fun than oh, yeah. basketball in, in several years. So it's great to watch. Um, Sam and I went to the first home game, the, uh, the Bulls game, and they looked awful. I was just like, oh my goodness, we're not going to win 15 games this year. Awful is an understatement. And so to, to see them where they're at now, I'm just like, oh my goodness, the growth is insane. So what led you guys to, uh, to start the all, all hard and hoop city? Facebook, um, as funny as it sounds, there are a number of independently run or um, a couple, well, a couple of them are nationally affiliated with um, other national sites, um, basically, quote unquote, fan run Grizzly sites. Um, and Sharon and I belong to a Facebook group that we still belong to um, that I don't know. We had, there's a lot of people there and there was some I'm trying to think of the best way to explain. It's been so long since I've had to explain this. Honestly. Um, <laughs> That's right. I'm, I'm putting you on the spot. Basically, um, Sharon shot me an idea one day. She's like, Hey, why don't we start a site, you know, start a blog writing about the, the grizzly, like just, you know, just women, because that's, really a thing that our market has lacked um and it, part of it was kind of how do i say i don't know we, we liked basketball we wanted to write about basketball and we didn't particularly want to follow other people's and it was more of a, we don't want to play in your sandbox, we're going to build our own kind of thing. And that's <laughs> it. Gotcha. Um, 
and it's, I mean, we, we've had ups and downs as far, I mean, you know, we are 100% independently run. I built a site. Um, I, you know, I host the site. So as far as editorial control goes, we can pretty much do whatever. Um, nobody really wrote a whole lot last season. Um, I started a new job. We had family stuff going on. And to be really honest, Grizzlies basketball was last season. And having done this for, you know, this being like the fifth or sixth season, I it's not a lot of fun to write about a team that sucks. And when they have sucked for so long, like you're trying to pick out bright spots, but there's not a whole lot of them. Yeah. And so this year has been a very welcome surprise. I know in the beginning of the year, I was struggling super hard on the show because I don't want to be like a negative Nancy, but they they just were playing awful early in the season. And so, you know, for you that, that has been doing it for a while and having to go through the grind of a few bad seasons, I can't imagine, you know, we're, we're just getting starting, started with this. So I know that for me, just in the little bit of time that I've been doing it, I was, I was struggling to stay positive. So trying to come up with content that doesn't sound like you're just absolutely destroying the team is it's brutal. Oh, I definitely feel your pain on that one. So I, I like that it is an all, all female site just because just in sports in general, there's not enough, you know, you got uh, Mendoza in baseball. You're starting to kind of see here and there a few more females get onto the scene. But th there are a lot of women that have a lot of great things to say and follow the game just as much, if not more, than a lot of guys that are doing this job. And they just don't get the opportunities. So I was when I started researching, kind of looking what you were doing with that, I was I was glad to see that. And you, you kind of hit the nail on the head for a big part of the reason why we started it, if you really want to have a better answer to that question. Um, now, I don't think it, it is now, but at the time when we started the site, we were the only independently run female NBA-centered website. Um, and we kind of started out like that on purpose, but we didn't really play that up a whole lot because in sports media in general you'll see it, we're, we're all very online nba twitter is a thing so you can kind of see this happen organically there are a lot of times where women have i'll say it i've said the exact same thing that people have gotten very angry about and then someone else who happens to be male will say pretty much verbatim what i said and, and people agree with it. Um, there are, there, there's still a lot of, I guess, not even veiled sexism that, that kind of surrounds sports in general. And almost half NBA fans are, are women. Like, we like basketball. We like sports. And we like to talk about it. We like to observe it the, the same as, you know, anybody else. So that was kind of our, our theme at first. But we didn't really play on that so much because it's really hard as women to. Yeah, I, I to would think basketball without some some pushback, and and we got some. There was you know 
not everybody was, you know, particularly supportive and no, not everybody has to be, but we've, we've kind of, you know, grown with it and, and learned a lot. Um, I have to say that my very first post on the site is probably, you could really probably call it a shit post. Um, but <laughs> it, I, I, I have said some things and meant some things that have not been very popular. I may be the only person in the city of Memphis who likes Jeff Green as a basketball player, like who did not. <laughs> um, and I will die on that hill. Uh, but I mean, it's, you know, kind of the really for anything that, that you get into and you, you know, there's community around it and there's discussion around it. And, you know, I've, I've lived in Memphis my whole life and basketball is a very big thing in this city. It always has been. And I grew up watching the Tigers, um, you know, this year with, with Penny as the coach is kind of really special to me because one of the teams that I remember very vividly growing up was Penny on the Tigers. Um, and that's, you know, I, even before the Grizzlies came here, there was still Tiger basketball was it. And it was still a pretty big deal in this town. So I think it's, I think the name Hoop City for Memphis is, is pretty well deserved even before we got a pro team. And then we got a pro team, and let's all be honest, the first few seasons weren't great. Um, well, that, yeah, they were bad for a while when they first came to town, for sure. Um, I was sort of afraid that's where we were headed as a franchise after the past couple of seasons. Um, this year has been a surprise to me, and honestly... I think this year, this team this year has surprised everybody. Um, no one expected them to be as good as they were. And at the beginning of the season, they weren't this good. But as they've kind of grown together as a group and developed some chemistry together, they, they've really started to, to blossom into just really fun to watch basketball. And even before they started winning regularly, uh, it, they were fun to watch. Yeah, there's um, always there's always one one or more plays a night, even when they were not winning games because of the young athletic guys on the team that you were getting out of your seat. There was it, it was there was enough there to keep you engaged, even when they were not winning. And that's you know, I, like you said, no, nobody project nobody projected predicted them to be where they're at right now. Um, I'm I'm just happy with the growth to to see what these guys are doing in in the short amount of time that it has been. But you know the the front office changes I think were huge. And you know like when when we made the the front office changes, then it seemed like things started rolling in the right direction. You, you have the the Gasol trade and then the Conley trade, and they start moving some of. The, the older guys out of town to rebuild this team and in a small market, you know, Conley and Gasol still have a few good years left, but you're not going to attract another big name free agent to Memphis, even though it is a great basketball town, it is a small market and that's a, it's tough to get a big name 
player to come here, we get guys like Chandler Parsons that we pay a hundred million dollars for, you know, you know that I, I agree with that a hundred percent. And I, I, I hate to have to say it because I feel this season without Chandler Parsons, the fact that we got Solomon Hill back for Chandler Parsons and Solomon Hill has actually contributed at all is great. Like that, was one was one of the high points to me um, when they signed Chandler Parsons. I still, I still have to defend this, and here's why: the the, the Chandler Parsons error in Memphis. Er, wow, that was a Freudian slip. There was any <laughs> Chandler Parsons error in Memphis was just was bad by any by any standard whatsoever. Right. That was that was a gamble that didn't work out. But at the time, that was probably, out of all the moves they could have made, it was the best that they could. And sure. Again, yeah, absolutely. If they I... didn't sign Parsons, there's a good chance that they might not have re-signed Mike Conley. And at the time, the philosophy was to go all in around Mike and Mark. And I still think that was the right thing to do. Because it was, in part, because there weren't a whole lot of other options. Um, and that's we don't get a lot of people that want to come here and play basketball mm -hmm. here as you know as you said so there was a lot of talk for you know before they did this whole big rebuild of you know every summer we would hear you know blow it up and start over blow it you know trade the when it was still zach and tony and mike and mark um there were people that were like okay this you know they've they've hit their ceiling they've 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 gotten They've gone as far as they can go. Um, and to some extent, that was true, although I will die on this hill as well. I still say that if Mike Conley did not get his face broken in 2015, we have all been having a very different conversation the last several years. Sure. I die on that hill because they were that good. And they were still really, really close to mm -hmm. knocking the careers out, even, even with Mike hurt as bad as he was. Yeah, it, it definitely could have went a different direction if he stays healthy for sure. And and that's like you're staying on the uh, on the Parsons thing. I agree with that. You I understand why they gave him the contract. It's just, you know, hindsight is always 2020. We can look at it now and say, what do you play like 40 games in a uniform or something like that? So <laughs> he, he's out here making like 25. Well, it's not I don't know. I'm not good at fast math, but you know, he's, he's getting overpaid for the games that he played, but yeah, that that's a guy like Parsons is, is the best move. You needed somebody from the wing that could score. And prior to, to Parsons coming to Memphis, he was that guy. And so, yeah, it didn't work out, but you know, it, it's just kind of, we, we can laugh about it now because it's, you know, it's over with, but one thing, one thing that scared me in the the early part of the season is, you know, we got uh, Solomon Hill and Miles um, Plumley in that trade when when they sent Parsons to Atlanta, and I was scared because Plumley's contract was like just under ten million. I'm like, man, are they gonna send a, a young guy to the G League to keep him on the team because of his salary? And I think whenever they when they cut him, 
that really made me start believing in this front office. You know, I, I, I saw all the trades and everything moving up to it, but then I still had hesitancy because I was worried that, okay, they're making some good moves right now, but when it comes down to it, are they going to make a tough decision like walking away from that money with him? And I think eating that $10 million was a lot easier than them just cutting Parsons. And like I say, Hill has been producing, playing well for us. So that's, uh, that definitely worked out pretty well. He's been a solid role player. And I think when you talk about the whole Chandler Parsons mess, you, you have to look, you have to kind of take into consideration that that whole off season was sort of a perfect storm. Um, because of the new TV deal, there was a, it was like $90 million increase in the cap from one season to the next. It is the largest cap increase in league history. And, there were a lot of players that got deals that summer that were bigger than they might have been otherwise. Um, I still, I'm still fine with giving Mike Conley a max contract, and I'm still fine with, you know, them bringing Parsons in. Maybe not fine with how it worked out, but it was out of all the options that they had to build around the guys that they had is what they did. And if Chandler Parsons had actually played for any meaningful amount of time and contributed, I don't think people would have been as angry about it. And I mean, it sucked. Especially when you, you were kind of hamstrung at that point because you had so much just dead weight salary and, it really did kind of handicap them from being able to make any other moves, but there's still the unspoken thing that there, even, even then there weren't a whole lot of other things that they could have done when people talk about, well, you know, blow it up and start over. Well, who are you like? Okay. So who are you going to bring here? And it's super easy. It's super easy to say, blow it up and start over. But with the, the contracts that they had, it, it's not all that easy because you have to find a team that's willing to that that has the cap space for one, but that's willing to take that contract on. And I think we get a lot of uh, armchair GMs that you know th- they live in, in the fantasy world and don't realize you know the, the finance, like all the logistics that have to line up in order to make a blow it up. And you know, like you can't just at the drop of the hat send all these guys out and completely start over because of where the contracts were falling last year, they were able to do that. But prior to last year, it, you don't have the, the contracts were not friendly enough that you could have made that move where you trade Mike or Mark somewhere and really get a good return on it. So yeah. it's, you know, I, those guys frustrate me. I kind of, I got into it with a guy on Twitter last night over something and I won't go into that story, but I just, I just finally stopped engaging in the conversation because it was just irrelevant. Like there was no sense in it. He had no idea what was going on, but we'll and get back really, to, I, I want to get back to this season a little bit. Yeah. I, I brought you on. I wanted to talk to you, uh, talk to you uh, about your article, the the real talk article <laughs> and kind of your, your stance that it was, it was funny. I was seeing everybody, like kind of I saw Twitter and like shots fired on Twitter and I'm like, okay, what is going on? 
And I had to go and read the article in the ad, like in the aftermath of seeing everybody kind of take shots at you. So, um, why I want you to, to talk to me a little bit. Tell me what, like, I get where you're coming from. I've, I've read the article, but I want you to kind of let the listeners know, like, what was your mindset as you were writing that? There was a lot of people I think that didn't really understand what I meant when I said, I don't think that the playoffs should be a goal this season. And there's a difference between, and maybe I should, maybe, maybe I should have, have foreseen that not everyone would understand what I was saying um, in the aftermath of that. Uh, but to me, organically making the playoffs, do, just doing what they were going to do and continuing to do is a lot different from the team, the front office making a deliberate decision to say, okay, we're going to make a playoff push. So we are going to make moves in anticipation of winning now. And that is kind of where I felt, and I still to a degree do. Um, now, the the big dog pile on Twitter, I, I will say, um, shout out to Anthony Sane. He is actually a friend of mine. Um, I've, I've known Sane for years. Um, he does, he, he likes to troll a little bit. And honestly, I, I didn't really think it was going to make so many people that mad because I didn't think anybody was, I didn't think people were going to read into it what they did because I wasn't saying they should lose on purpose. Um, if, if you've ever read anything that I've written about, about the seasons we don't want to talk about, <laughs> people are talking, you know, they need to tank, they need to tank. I'm very anti-tank, that whole conversation. Yeah. Something else. You can't. It's not tanking if they just suck. And let's be real. That team just sucked for a while. And sure. whether it was, you know, coaching inconsistency, player inconsistency, um, it was what it was. And you know, they. I, I don't. I don't think that they were deliberately trying to lose. I just think they were bad. And where I'm thinking now, this is the first real genuine like balls to the wall rebuild that I think this franchise has ever really seen. And I didn't want them to get ahead of themselves and say, okay, well, we're better than we thought. So why don't we, you know, try and, and move some guys um, and see if we can, you know, bring a couple extra people on and, and see if we can maybe speed up the timeline of this a little bit. I honestly expected this season to not be great. Like, I, that was my expectation going into it. They're a young team. They're learning to play together. They've got a new coach. Um, and everybody is, you know, learning how to be a basketball team together. And they were still, and they still struggled with this. We saw this last night. They've gotten a lot better, but they still struggled to put together four complete quarters of basketball in the same game. No, uh, last night, so in, in the last game against the Cavaliers, they had a, I think it was like a four or six minute stretch where they didn't get it. They didn't get a bucket. They didn't score. And the, the offense kind of stalled a little bit in the fourth quarter last night and the Cavaliers closed that gap and there were still exciting plays going on, but I'm just sitting there and in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, come on, get, get something to fall. Dylan went down and he took a, a mid range jumper and missed it. And it wasn't a bad shot. Um, 
I can't, somebody else took a shot and missed it. Ja went to the rim and missed a layup and I'm like, Oh no, here we go again. But yeah, that, that's been like a constant. It kind of, it seems like it's fluctuating in, you know, cause the beginning of the year in the third quarter, they were awful. Like they play pretty good first half and then third quarter they were terrible and then they've kind of turned it around a little bit, but they've had some really stinker fourth quarters. I know it was, it was the magic game. They had like single digits in the fourth quarter and you know, you're not going to beat anybody like that. So the magic like that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All shade intended because I hate the magic (laughs) for personal and political reasons. So yeah, but they, that's been a, a struggle. I, I didn't. Nobody thought that they were going to be this good. And let's be real, nobody really expected Ja to be what he is, which is a superstar. I'm. I'm yeah, right, I'm right out of the gate. He is probably the most exciting basketball player we have ever watched in this city. Um, he is right now more of a superstar than Mike Conley has ever been, and I love Mike Conley. So please don't. Anybody who listens to this. Shots fired on that one. Before you send me your hate mail. (laughs) It's at Hoop City Hellcat. Oh, man. Yes, find me on Twitter, please. Um, I don't. And that's not to say that I don't think Mike was good. I think Mike is great. I love Mike Conley. But this is, for me, this is what the, like, I agree with you on that. And the fact that Mike Conley did not get the national like the he didn't get the exposure like Jai is. Jai was a number two pick, and because like Mike Conley, you know, we were talking about that Max deal, and when when the Grizzlies were, you know, it was up in the air if they were going to give Mike the Max deal. I'm like, why? Why would they not give him? Like at that point, in my opinion, he was a top five point guard in the league. Who in the heck are you going to get? You're not going to get anybody. You sign Mike to that deal. And Mike was a fantastic player for Memphis, but he never in his entire career got the national media exposure that Ja is getting this early in his career. And it's just a whole different set of of skills. So that's, you know, I'm on the same, I'm on the same side of that argument with you. That's, you know, saying we were talking about saying a little bit and he said it, um, was it after it it was after the Houston or the Warriors game? And he he tweeted out that he said, yeah, uh, and the, the the last line of that tweet was, he said, fight your mom. I just lost it. I was dying whenever he said that. But, you know, it, it's it's great to see these guys, like especially Ja, doing what he's doing right now. I Go mean, ahead. He's something, and, and I think Anthony pointed this out too, because I've, I've seen a, a lot of, I guess, conflicting opinions on, whether or not Ja is more of a superstar now than, than Conley was while he was here. And I think you, I think people are looking at this to say, Anthony brought it up. Um, making like making that statement, having that opinion does not take away the memories of Mike Conley in this city. Okay. Mike Conley meant more to the city. Um, the, Mike and Mark and, you know, Zach and Tony, like that team meant a lot to this city. And, it was a, a really big, honestly, I think it was a great contrast to the whole rings culture. And not that I didn't want them to win a championship. I absolutely did. But that team meant a lot to the city without that. Um, 
and it was it was something that we had and it was special and the kind of basketball that they played was ugly basketball um but it was fun and one of the one of the things about the grizzlies that you really had to respect was that they would drag you in the mud and beat you there and as the league started to evolve more into outside shooting than post plays um you know we started to see that kind of fall by the wayside and which I get that that's how the league has evolved now. And I'm, I'm glad to see that, that Memphis is able to adapt that now in a way that they hadn't been before. But I mean, I love a good post up. Zach Randolph is like a, you know, like a almost seven foot tall ballerina. He did things in the post that, Look, if you needed a bucket, that man would get you a bucket. You threw him the ball in the paint, and that's and, and it was what it was. And the fact that he had, I mean, he could go out and he'd get you 20 and 10 every night. He did it off the bench. Yeah. Um, you know, that that last year. And the fact that, that Zach could be as good at basketball as he was with having not the greatest vertical in the world. Um, <laughs> I think you're being a little generous. Somebody said that, that, you know, Zach Randolph couldn't jump over a phone book, which, okay, that's a lie, but not by much. Um, I think it depends on what kind of phone book we're talking about there. Well, I mean, are we talking about, like, the the Greater Memphis phone book, or are we talking about, like, the Germantown phone book? Because that's a lot smaller, so maybe. (laughs) We can clear Germantown, but not the Greater Memphis, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, And they played a different kind of basketball. And the league sort of grew out of that. Uh, Memphis has struggled with to have shooters for as as long as I've really liked this team, Um, which is pretty much, you know, we need shooters could have been the house grizzly motto because they did for a long time. And now they have multiple guys, multiple young guys on this team who can, who are reliably an outside threat. Um, and then you have Jaron who, this, this is one thing that I think that people should give David Fisdell credit for was he helped make Marcus all into an outside shooter. And that was one of the things that he said in his, in his opening press conference in Memphis. Um, one of the things that he said was he wanted to get my, he wanted to get Mark. To, to shoot the three and he wanted to make Mike a tougher, more dynamic basketball player. When he brought on Nick Van Exel, okay, look, Nick Mike Conley on some Nick Van Exel shit injected into my veins. <laughs> You'll take and all of that, huh? And <laughs> see that influence on there. Um Mike Mike has always been underrated by a lot of people. Um, because he had, he, he wasn't, he's not as flashy as Russell Westbrook, you know, he's not, and he, I, he didn't do some of the things. One of the reasons why I say Jaws a bigger star is because for, for everything about Mike Conley that I love, Jaw has this level of athleticism that is just, is unreal. Mm-hmm. I have never in my, in, I, I can remember one. And only Mike Conley dunk. 
in the entire time that he was here. Like he, he didn't get up the way that John did. Hmm. And it's, I mean, it's fun. It's, you know, they're, they're moving the ball. They're getting up and down the floor. Um, they're getting better at turnovers. That was a thing that really just hurt them a lot, you know, earlier in the season. But as they learn and grow together as a team, they're, they're getting better at all these little things that they need to be able to do well. And so we come back to that article where I said I didn't think that they should make a playoff push because people people laughed at my being overly risk-averse here, but let's not act like we don't know that freak injuries can happen in a split second. And yeah. because we've seen a lot of them. And I didn't necessarily think, and, and to some degree, I kind of still do, I'm going to walk this back a little bit after the last two games. Maybe. <laughs> I'm still a little undecided because I don't like if they end up, if they end up, if they stay in the eighth seed, like, I don't think they should refuse to go. That wasn't what I meant. Yeah. I think but I also don't think getting run through by the Lakers in four games is necessarily going to be great for their development. And the potential for somebody to get injured in what, for all intents and purposes, would be a useless playoff series, to me, was too high. Like, I really want to see how this team does without a major player suffering a major injury. Because that's something that, you know, plagued Mike and Mark, you know, on different seasons. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even now, I think Conley sat a lot of this season in, in Utah. Yeah, he he's been out since early December. He like he hurt his hamstring and then came back the very next game, and then they I've, they've been kind of cautious with it since then. Yeah, that's you know, and like I said, I read the article and and I kind of when I first read it and I'm like I was like, man, she's out of her freaking mind. Why would you not want them to go to the playoffs? But then I took a step back and I'm like, okay. So kind of what I gathered from it, my take on it was this, like, you're okay if they, if it happens, if they just get there, but you know, the, the team, the front office has loaded up a lot of assets and you know, the, you know, we talked about Jeff green earlier and that is a trade. You know, a lot of people don't like Jeff green and you still hear a lot of talk about that trade and the Boston pick, you know, that, so it's okay if they make the playoffs, but don't blow up. Like, don't get rid of the assets that we have in order to do that. If it happens and we can get rid of guys that are expendable, okay. But don't get rid of the stuff that we're going to need for the future to try and win right now because you got to know that they're just not ready. They're, they're not at that point, and they're still – I'm not convinced that they will make the playoffs because Portland is better than what they're playing right now, and San Antonio is there. And even though they've been rocky this year, they still have one of the best coaches. Well, I won't even say one of, I'll call him the best coach in the league in Popovich. So if they make it, I'm going to be there. You know, we, we got season tickets. So I'm, I'm going to be there and it's going to be great. But it's, you know, I say you run into Lakers in the first round, more than likely it's going to be 4-0 and then they're going home. And in a playoff game, it's the stakes are higher so a guy is going to try to play through an injury. If it's, if something's hurting a little bit, he's not going to say anything. He's going to try and play through it because it's the playoffs. And and I'm definitely with you on the fact that I would rather see 
Jaron and Ja and Brandon and all these young guys, hey, play it safe with these injuries right now. Keep developing and let's see what this can turn out to be because right now, early on, it's already electric. It's amazing already. Let's see where you guys are a couple years down the road. I, I agree. Um, now, I, I will say that, that after that Houston game, I had to kind of kind of look at my life and my choices over this particular opinion. I still don't think that they should try and, and, and move some assets to win now. I still think that's an okay thing to say. But yes, if they stay there, organically, you know what? Let them run. They are so much fun to watch. And I don't know that I completely think that they've lose in four games. I did. But now I'm not really sure. And we've never had a player like Ja here in Memphis. We just, we haven't. And part of, of this team being as good as it is, is luck. I'm going to give them some of that. Um, but Memphis drafted the two best, most productive rookies in this draft um, with Brandon Clark and John Moran. Like, how they did. How they managed to orchestrate that is not something that I think a Chris Wallace-led front office would have done. Yeah, and, I, I can agree with that for sure. I mean, and part of the reason why I defended the Jets, like, I understand why they did what they did for Jeff. And I also understand why some people were disappointed in it, but I think it became very obvious after that, you know, 2014, 15 season. Okay. So Jeff green was not the piece to get them over the hump. Like he wasn't what well, he wasn't. They missed something that they needed to kind of push them a little bit further. And they thought Jeff Green was going to be it, and he wasn't. Jeff Green is a better basketball player than people give him credit for. What he is not is a consistent basketball player, and that's the problem with Jeff Green. But after that series, once I kind of figured out that he wasn't going to be the answer to what the Grizzlies needed, I stopped expecting him to be, and so I had a lot more fun watching him play basketball. And so I wasn't, you know, I wasn't on the hate Jeff Green bandwagon. And there were a lot of people who, in hindsight, were really agitated about that trade. Um, and, you know, they talk about the pick that they gave up. At the time, to me, seeing what the front office did with draft picks, I didn't really consider them to be something that would have been useful to us. Okay? No. Um, because Passion to beat. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for saying it so I didn't have to. Um, because that... Like, they, they did not have the most reassuring track record of making good draft picks. They just didn't. And so, you know, I I still agree with trying to win around the core. There's, there's going to be a part of me that will always wish that, that they had managed to, to, you know, to win a championship. And I think that they should retire all four of their numbers in the form. Um there, there was something that was so special about that team and the way that they were to the, you know, to the whole city, but the way that they played and it was, it was fun to watch and it was, you know, more success than we had seen in a while, but 
And, and I was kind of late on the, okay, it's time to move on from Mike and Mark. Um, I'll own that too. But once, really once they kind of ripped the Band-Aid off with Mark and then with Mike this summer, my thinking is, okay, we have a chance to truly rebuild and, 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 and do something. And I want to see them do that because I think that they have the start of, of a team that could win a title. I, th- I feel okay saying that. Um, now, I don't think that they could this season right now, but next year, year after that, everybody in the league is going to know who this team is. And, and you know, with the way that Jaws playing right now, it's brought in a lot of media attention that Grizzlies basketball just did not get before. Oh, yeah. Um, which is, which is, I mean, it's fun. It's cool to see that guy make these plays and know that he's on the, he plays on the team that you cheer for. Like that's, that's fun. And it's, it's new to us in a lot of ways because it's not something that we've had before. And I don't think anybody knows what the ceiling for those guys are. Like, yeah, I, I think championship, you know, and I'm not a championship or bust type of guy, but I, I think with where they're at right now as to where they started this season, you know, you, you've got to think that, that they can definitely be in that running, like in, in the conversation for that. But w- one guy that we haven't talked about a whole lot, and, and I want to kind of get your opinion on him and then I'll let you go because we, we've been – it doesn't seem like we've been on that long, but we've already been on for about 45 minutes. So I don't want to take up your whole day, but um, Dylan Brooks has been kind of up and down this year. And I've seen a lot of varying opinions on him and uh, Joe from uh, is he grizzly bear blues? I think. Yes. Okay. So he was talking about uh, on Twitter the other day, the contract with, with Dylan coming up on free agency. And he said, if a team offers, did you see that poll? Where he's like, if a team offers Dylan four years, $60 million, what do you think the Grizzlies should do? So I'll kind of step back and let you give me your thoughts on, on Dylan and what do you think about, like, for you, what would your cap be on Dylan? Ooh, that is a hard question. Um, I am Team Dylan Brooks, by the way. Um, I, I do think he's a good player. He, he's, he's becoming more consistent. Um, and... I don't disagree. Like with the, I saw the poll that Joe, that Joe made. And I think in that situation, if you're Memphis, you match that offer sheet. Now, I don't know what I would say, like the max, like what, what's the, the, like, what's the top of what I would give Dylan Brooks. But I also don't think that he has been an insignificant part of this team's success. And even even at times when he's not playing great. Um, I, I feel like that he's, he's, he's a guy that they shouldn't give up on. And he's kind of proved that in some ways. And then there's the really fun, um, the really fun statistic that the Grizzlies are what, like 14, you now, or is it 13? Yeah, I think uh, it's 13. Yeah. 13. Uh, and 0. Yeah. You know, when Dylan scores more than 20 points, like, I'm not mad at it. It's no, yeah, it's like, he, you know, it's not he, really that significant, but it is great to be like, hey, you know, we're undefeated when this happens. And so that that's great. Like my my look on Dylan is it like I like Dylan, but my favorite thing about him 
is he refuses to be intimidated by the name that's on the jersey. He wants to defend the best player on the other team. And I, I've been to both Houston, or I didn't go to the last game, but I, I watched the last game, and, and I was at the first Houston game when he was on Harden. And he works his ass off when it, when he's guarding the best guy on the team, and he knows it's the best guy on his team on the team. He is out there, and, and he's grinding. And when it, like my pin uh, post on Twitter is, I think that at some point in his career, he's going to be a first time All Defense guy because he works that hard. So, since you said that, but um, you know, there was something that came out yesterday. So Tony Allen is um is doing some uh, player development with Memphis Hustle. I would love to see him maybe do a little bit of that for the Grizzlies. But, I mean, as the original first team all defense, right. there's some things that, that Dylan could, could pick up from TA. And, and honestly, I'm really glad to see him have a role in this organization again because I love Tony Allen. Um, I loved him as a player. I love him as a person. Um, I've had the opportunity to talk to him a number of times. And he is exactly as genuine as you think he would be. And he also, Tony Allen had this kind of, this sort of trick-or-treat reputation because he was really good on defense and he was sometimes good on offense. <laughs> there were times where, you know, maybe was- don't, don't, you know, don't throw up a three, you know, five seconds into the shot clock. Like th- th- there were times that Tony Allen did things that were objectively not good. And and yeah. people would clown about that. But there were also times that, I mean, I remember one Warriors game and I want to say this was not last season, not the season before last. I think the one before that. Um, maybe what, it's all running together at this point, which is sad. But there were a couple of games that the Grizzlies beat the brakes off the Warriors, in large part because of Tony Allen. And, you know, maybe the, maybe the Grizzlies weren't going to drop 120 a night on you, but, but, I mean, if you played against them, you probably weren't either. And they held Golden State to, like, a franchise low scoring of like 15 or something and then a week later held them to like 13 was that is the, the game was that the 73 and 9 game that you're talking about because it seems like that game you know the, the Warriors they won that. did they they won that okay yeah. all right yeah no, I got them confused there but then they they played Memphis at the end of the season it was didn't the they last game yeah gotcha okay and the Warriors uh, beat them to go 73 and 9 the Warriors beat them yes. yeah I couldn't I say it, it runs together after, you you know, I love watching basketball and, and I watch more than just the Grizzlies. So, you know, it's kind of things get blurry in there. Well, that and when you try and, and, and keep track of all of the things that happened over, you know, four or five seasons and remembering which season and which part of which season it, it happened in. I mean, I have other things that, that live in my brain besides Grizzlies basketball, surprisingly. So <laughs> sometimes I might have to look something up and. If I weren't being really lazy right now, I would look it up and I'll probably find it out and tweet it to you later. But <laughs> there was a point there that 
could kind of hang your hat on that defense. And their defense was kind of their calling card for a long time. And, you know, I, w- I would still like to see them develop that defensive mindset. Yeah, but we I... also have guys who can who can make plays and who can score like something that we have never seen. And if, if I were to it. if I were to nitpick Ja, that would be the one area. He, and, you know, he's working on his outside shot. That was something in the beginning of the season they talked about. But that would be defense would be the one area where I would say Ja has the most work to do. And if you get him around a guy like T.A. with, with the type of defender that he was. If if Ja had if Ja played defense like DeAnthony Melton, I, I think and, and he may still, but in the next couple of years, you're talking about him being one of the best players in the league, and he may still get to that point. But if his defense was at the level of DeAnthony Melton's defense right now, I think you know, I mean, you're you're having that conversation sooner rather than later. I don't disagree with that. Um, it- Defense is is kind of if you would say that Jaw has a weakness, that would probably be where it is. Um, you know, being really good defensively is one of the things that I love about Brandon Clark. Um, and I wrote towards the beginning of the season, um, Brandon Clark as a dark horse rookie of the year candidate, and yeah. and this was before Jaw really came into his own, like he had. Um, I'm, I marked that one to read it. I didn't read it before we got on here, but that's one that I wanted to kind of read to see what you had to say about that. I hadn't, but I'll definitely uh, take a look at that one for sure. He shoots well. He rebounds well. Um, I love Brandon Clark. And when I saw him play in the summer league, I was like, okay, I think we got something special here. And and then just to see where it's gone is, is really kind of amazing. Um, now, at this point, if John Moran is not the unanimous rookie of the year, I think we should all riot. And whoever yeah. didn't vote for him should probably lose their job. They should get maybe fired. not lose their job, but maybe you know lose their vote at least. That. Yeah, and yeah. nobody saw that. I think nobody really saw that coming because all of the hype at the beginning of the season was for Zion Williamson. Uh, yeah, I I lost my mind about it. it. Was Zion had been out and Ja was doing well, and every post that like everything that I saw, it was they had to mention Zion, like Ja Morant, front runner of the rookie of the year, because Zion's out, and it was always kind of like a punch at Ja, and I'm like, just shut up about he's not even laced his shoes up to play a single freaking game. I don't wish bad on Zion at all. I want him to do well, but let's just give Ja the credit he deserves and stop taking that cheap shot of, well, he's only getting it because Zion's not playing because that's not factual. Yeah, I don't, and and that's no shade to him, but it, it really comes down to Ja is a kind of basketball player that we haven't, like, he is probably the most exciting player to come out of the draft in several years. And he's exciting in ways that I don't necessarily think, think Zion is. Um, And again, that's no shade to him. And I would love to see him have a great NBA career. Um, I'm going to be really biased here. I do think Josh should be the unanimous 
rookie of the year at this point. I mean, e- anybody who can look at what he's done and not say that. Yeah. Well, maybe, again, you know, maybe kind of think about what you're saying there because it is, <laughs> he's done so much. And he also helps in somewhat like they've want, they've all learned to make each other better. And that's important for a team, especially for a team as, as, as young as them. And they're all still kind of learning what, what their place is um, to a degree. Um, they're all good basketball players, but they all, you know, kind of have to learn to, you know, play well together. And that is going a little faster than anybody thought it would. And I'm happy about that. Um, I'm not so sure that I do believe that they're going to end up with the eighth seed at the end of the season. And the thing that nobody's, well, you mentioned it. um, The thing that nobody wants to talk about. One of the reasons why they are the eighth seed right now is not just because they have been better than expected. They have, they've been way better than anybody expected. Yeah. But But the West has been terrible. Not as like there, there are other teams in the West who have not been as good as people thought that they would, or, or as they really should be. Yeah. So, um, you know, you got Sacramento, um, Portland, San Antonio, and that that's just three. I don't even have the standings up in front of me. But, you know, th- there's there are teams that are not living up to their expectations, and the Grizzlies are exceeding, and that's where, yeah, you know, exactly what you're saying. That's why they are where they are. The West is just not, you know, the, the top of the West is tough. But from the eight seed down, you know. Yeah, there's kind of a bottleneck of teams. And and I agree with you that Portland is a lot better than their record suggests. Um, I would not be surprised to see them kind of rebound from the slump that they've been in. Um, you know, and I don't think that you call this season a wash if they don't make the playoffs. Because, no. again, I don't think that should have been the goal. Like, I think that's a nice cherry on top if they do at this point. As long as they do it without deviating from the, we are on a, te- we are a team that is rebuilding from the ground up. So the groundwork that they're laying is not necessarily for this season. It is for next year and the year after that. And for once, we have really young guys who are really good. I think it's important to mention Darren Jackson is younger than Jaw. They're both 20. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and we had at one point Memphis had the oldest team in the league. And so they have to figure out the right ratio of really good dynamic young players and vets who can help make them better. And Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill have both in their way done that a lot this season. Um, I've honestly, I've enjoyed watching them play. Um, I was kind of ready to throw hands for, for Jay Crowder last night. Um, with him and Tristan Thompson. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> come on, man. You said his name wrong. That's Tristan, Tristan Kardashian, ma'am. Oh, see, I, I can't, I can't do that. Um, because he, he, uh, yeah, we, we, but I mean, um, yeah. you, you get what I mean. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's why I love Jay Crowder because he is just, 
he is Memphis, you know, like the, the Zebo Zebo is like, I'm not backing down from anybody. And Jay Crowder has that same mentality. Like he don't care who you are. Like you're, you're, you're not going to come at him. He's going to put you in your place. And that's, that's, that's what the, yep. that is, that is what the team needs. And that's the kind of attitude that, that I want to see them cultivate. Whether or not Jay Crowder is in a long-term picture. Can't really say. Not really sure I think he is. Not really sure I think they should deal him at the trade deadline this year. Like, that's that's one of those things that maybe I need to, to kind of sit and, and sit with my thoughts on a little bit. Um, I'm not ready to, to say something definitive there because I do really like Jay Crowder and I really respect what he's done this season. Um, you know, he, he's, a, he's a professional. He comes in and it doesn't matter who you are. He's going to play how he's going to play. And yeah, you, you have to respect and that. You said her name at the, the beginning when we first started recording here and, and I apologize. I don't remember her name, but I read, um, on your, your site, the, um, I can't remember the name of the article. Yeah. So she was talking about the, uh, the trades and she was saying that she didn't think that they should move Jay unless somebody comes offering a first round pick. And I agree with that because of the, the value that he brings to the team. You know, when, when he got traded to Memphis, he was like, no, don't worry about sending me somewhere else. Let's look at this team and see what I can do. So, you know, he, he's not a, a disgruntled superstar. He's not a, a somebody that, that's being toxic in the locker room. He brings a lot of value. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, but, you know, we're so going along, we can talk about that too, because I also have opinions about that. <laughs> on, on Iggy, yes. I tell you what. How, how about instead of making this one a two-hour show, how about you come back for another one? We we can do this again. We can, um, we can maybe later on down the road. Sure, fabulous. Yeah. I like it. So I'll, I'll let you uh, get your plugs in. Let everybody know where they can find you, and then we'll wrap this one up. And, uh, and we'll do it again sometime. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, if you guys, if your listeners would like to uh, read some more of my controversial basketball takes, please find me on Twitter <laughs> at Oopsie Hellcat. Um, you can read Sharon and I on uh, the MemphisFlyer.com. Um, and we're here. And I'm probably going to say something that people disagree with again really soon. So <laughs> get your popcorn, man. You but, said what uh, you thanks said. Thanks for having me. And I, yeah. I said what I said. That's right. <laughs> I love it. Great. Y'all well, have a great afternoon, man. You too. All right, guys, that wraps it up for us today. You can find us on Twitter. The show is at HootballGrizz. I, David, am at dwill2111. Sam is at sammyb1118. Come hit us up. We've told you before. We'll tell you again. We love engaging in conversation. So come find us. Again, the show is Hootball Grizz. I am dwill2111. Sam is sammyb1118. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, go This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.